Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Ms. Sherilyn Skolnicki, who is with me today to talk all about work-life balance, about brilliant balance, and I'm thrilled to have her. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. So tell me your story because it's an interesting one. It's always funny to me, right? Because when if anyone listening today thinks, like, imagine someone said that to you, like, where would you start? There's so much to tell. I will, I will give you the short version of um, maybe how I got to where I am today, like the the twists and turns. So today, I I lead an organization called Brilliant Balance. We are expert guides for working moms. Um, I basically am trying to give moms all the services and ideas that I wish I had when I was starting my family. And um, I have three children. They are 10, 13, and 16. And I've been married for 20 years uh, to the same guy. So it's starting to feel like an accomplishment at this point. Um, I have been running Brilliant Balance for 11 years. And prior to that, I was a corporate ladder climber. So I worked for 15 years in a big consumer products company, went there straight out of college and grad school, and um, really thought that's what I was going to do my whole life until the day that I realized, you know, this is this ladder is not leaning against a wall that I really want to reach the top of anymore. Um, I have other things I want to contribute to the world and a different way that I want to go about doing that work. And um, with that realization, you know, the, the entrepreneurship journey began. You were at Procter & Gamble, right? I was, yes. Yeah. And what did you do there? What was your role uh, within the organization? So I started my career there in sales, um, field sales. I lived in Atlanta. The company's based in Cincinnati, where I live now. But I worked uh, in Atlanta for five years doing field sales. And then I moved to Cincinnati and transitioned into marketing and spent the rest of my career um, at corporate headquarters working in marketing. So I ran uh, brands in the laundry business mostly, so um, Cheer and Draft and eventually Gain. Um, so I was there when we took Gain across a billion dollars in sales, which was super fun and a big party. Um, and you know, I, I, it was a great, great run. I mean, 15 years in a company like that, you learn a lot, and I, I loved it until it was time to leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I love me some draft. You know, pediatricians <laughs> love themselves some draft. Yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, what are you doing with these? I won't name the ones that I don't want people to use, but I'm like, get on, the, get on the draft and the all free and clear train, please. Those are the two that I'm okay with. Right, and draft has that like super sweet baby scent. It's so lovely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the moment that made you decide that the ladder was leading on a wall you didn't want to climb? 
Yeah. It was more of a chapter than a singular moment. So, you know, I'm not somebody who has that like rock bottom laying on the bathroom floor story. Um, although I probably had plenty of times of looking in the bathroom mirror thinking what on earth has happened, you know, to this person. It was more of a chapter. And I was, um, I had two children. I had tested all the limits of flexibility within the company. I had taken one year maternity leaves um, two separate times. I had done a 60% work schedule, an 80% work schedule. I had done a 100% schedule with the two days at home. Like I had really tried all of the various ways. And what I learned was the company was going to let me do just about any job that I was qualified for with whatever flexibility I wanted, as long as I could figure out how to get the work done. And that was you know, a little bit of a fool's bargain. Um, I was learning that, you know, the the burden was on me to figure it out and to learn how to advocate for what I needed, draw the boundaries where they needed to be drawn. So it wasn't a flexibility issue per se, although I would say I had pretty much tested the limits of the policies and what was available to me. Um, it was more that I had this growing realization that if I were as successful as I possibly could be, that my biggest professional mark was that more people would use my brand of a product than someone else's brand. You know, more people would use my laundry detergent than a competitor's. And, and that just didn't feel big enough anymore. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who really strives for significance and wants to make a dent in the universe and solve a problem that I think is worthy of my attention. Um, and while, you know, I love using a great detergent, especially when the smells great, it it just didn't feel like a big enough use of my my talents. So, um, and look, the people who spend very successful careers there for their entire career or at any similar company are able to find their connection to purpose maybe through the people who they're um, mentoring or the people mm-hmm. who are on their teams or you know, with a company like Procter & Gamble, I mean, the work they're doing in the developing world is incredible. Like bringing, you know, product solutions that have never existed and sanitation solutions that have never existed. But that wasn't my work. I wasn't directly connected to that. And I wanted a more direct connection. So that nudge sort of was gnawing at me and growing. And um, and it sort of serendipitously correlated with I announced that I was resigning, agreed to stay for another three to six months to work, tie some stuff up, and realized I was expecting my third child at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it kind of felt like everything came together in that moment um, of my personal history. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that you said really resonates with me because I hear it all the time from moms, which is this idea of a workplace being like, sure, you want to work. 80, 20, you want to work 70%? Great, but get to step in, get all the work done. <laughs> you better, you better produce, lady. You know, um, so it is a framework that while flexibility is increasing, that we still are having, I think, to work really hard to have not just for women, but especially for women, I think, for our employers to see us as whole people. And um to get to for ourselves what we call that what you call brilliant balance and yeah yeah I wanna I wanna dive into that a little bit because you say well, that Whitney can oh, I go say one thing about because yeah. I think we probably have a lot of listeners working in corporate jobs and and this is an important point I don't fault the company for that I really don't mm-hmm. like I don't fault my employer for 
continuing to shovel work in my direction. Like I think it's inc- – if we're going to say I'm going to get paid 80% of my salary in exchange for working 80% of the time, they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to stop the flow of email and stop the meetings and stop the assignments from coming. So it really is like incumbent on us as individuals to say, let me give you visibility to where my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. Let me give you visibility to how this is landing and how much time this is taking. What I see too many women in my community doing is just swallowing it down because they feel lucky. Right, they're so grateful that the that their employer has, you know, quote unquote, granted them this flexible option, and they feel so lucky. I did that. It's like they'll do anything to keep that option, and and we somehow think there's something wrong with us if we're not able to get it done. And it's it's just as simple as there's a miscommunication in the amount of work that's coming at you. So I. It took me some time to reconcile that, but I really believe that, that, you know, if if anyone listening is in a flexible work arrangement and struggling, I think it's so important that you get some coaching on how to have that conversation back with your employer or your immediate manager so that you can renegotiate, um, you know, the boundaries, the workload, or at least the the cadence with which the work is coming. So anyhow, I didn't want to skip over that. No, you're, I think that's, that's a good point. And I think the other part is just this idea for uh for moms in general that like I should be able to do it all be it all like I, right. I, why can't I be able to do it all so I do agree that that is like a personal reckoning that has to come where we decide like there's only so many hours in a day how will I prioritize and then how will I be as efficient and productive as possible on the things that that do have to get done yeah okay so tell me about this idea of balance, which is thrown around all the time, versus mm-hmm. brill- versus brilliance. Yes. Well, I think we have to be clear about what we're really chasing. And and you know, if I suspect you're probably wired similarly to me, which is that, you know, I grew up being told I could have it all. I grew up like in the generation of women, probably the first generation of women that truly believed like we were in the no trade-offs generation, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever all meant to us. And what nobody really talked about was how you were supposed to manage it once you had it. Like Mm -hmm. I was really focused on the acquisition of my all right? I, for me, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have children. I wanted to buy a house and a nice car. And I wanted to have a big job and, you know, and have hobbies and take good care of myself and travel. Like I had this vision. But what nobody was really spending time with me on or any of my peers, as far as I can tell, was how do you do that? Because no one had done it before mm-hmm. without a partner who was dedicated to like 50% of that equation, right? And, yeah. and keeping it upright. So, The challenge, and look, the pandemic illustrated this more than anything ever will. I think the challenge that we're faced with is there's no, um, we're not well-trained. There's not good systemic support, uh, you know, broadly. And so we have to create mechanisms within our own households or our own neighborhoods and companies that enable us to have all these elements of our lives that we want and not drown in the process. So when I say, you know, when we we came up with Brilliant Balance, we talked about having a balanced life. Like, and to me, that means a life where you can drop into all the key moments. 
You know, you can land the pose from, that's my, I always use this ballet Uh metaphor. Like you can, you can land each pose of your day. You know what those key moments are. You want to be all in, show up with the full power of your talent and the full presence of your energy in each one of those moments. That's balanced life to me with some discretion over where I'm spending my time. And then we said brilliant possibilities. Like, what are you chasing? Who are you becoming? What's the dent you want to make in the universe? And and I think what I see is because we can't figure out how to balance the equation of our current circumstances, we don't stretch for those brilliant possibilities often enough, right? Mm-hmm. We settle for something a lot less than what we meant to go after when we were 10 and 15 and 20 and 25, right? It's like we're just – because we start making all these trade-offs in the name of survival, and I'm just not okay with that. So that's that's what we're trying to accomplish through Brilliant Balance is how do we teach you how to shift the frame or shift your perspective on how you think about some of these things you quote unquote have to do mm-hmm. um, so that they fit, right, in a way that you still get to do some of the things you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's three P's that you talk about as part of this. Um but the most interesting one to me, I think, is the energy, honestly, because I think um, that's the key for a lot of people around keeping motivation and sustainability is there's all kinds of organizational tools we can use. There's all, you know, but the energy piece, that's the piece that allows us to, I think, keep on going. Yes. And someone is thinking, energy doesn't start with a P. What is she talking about? <laughs> Right. We had to force fit it a little bit. So yeah, we sorry. use power as the euphemism for energy when we when we want to be cute about the three Ps. But yeah, there's there's a ladder. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is, you know, the brilliant balance hierarchy of needs is it starts with good management of your energy, knowing how to come into a day. And I think about the day as the unit of time where we optimize energy. Um, you want to wake up feeling rested and fully alive and full of positive energy for what you want to go after that day. And that is a pipe dream for too many women, right? It's like, it sounds like a fantasy. And then you want to sustain that energy throughout the day. You want to have enough of it to give to the things you care about. Um, And when when we talk about energy, it's physical energy for sure, Mm -hmm. but also mental energy and emotional energy that is, it all has to be managed, right? Because they're interrelated. If if I'm, you know, eating all my vegetables and drinking all my water and getting enough sleep and taking great care of my physical being, but I'm in a really broken relationship or I hate my job, right? It it's it, it's draining out my toes. So that notion of, you know, really protecting and having a good it's a positive energy and enough of it, right? day in and day out is foundational. And in all the productivity tools in the world, which is the second P, by the way, right? Productivity, they just, they're not even available to you if you're just exhausted all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right to focus there because it's, it's foundational to the whole game. It's coming. Our new book will be here before you know it. The Working Mom Blueprint comes out May 11th, 2021. We hope you'll grab your copy. It's available for pre-order right now at amazon.com and it will be available May 11th wherever books are sold. 
Okay, so I, I'm going to dig in here because I agree yeah. with you. I think that a lot of women in particular are like, yes, absolute pipe dream. Are you kidding me? From the moment I get up to the moment that I'm asleep, I'm like busting it or wish that I was sleeping on a couch somewhere with a glass of wine. So tell me, <laughs> so so give me your give me your tips, give me your strategy for energy that you give that you give to the women that you work with. I want to hear it. You you got it. And and I think maybe we just take a deep breath first and say like you have to start where you are. So if you're listening and you are the person who is just waking up and propping toothpicks under your eyelids to get out of bed in the morning and it's, you know, vats of coffee to get moving and you're stumbling through your day, like we're not going to go from zero to 60 in a one podcast episode. But starting where you are and asking yourself, what is the one practice that if I made a change here, I feel like would make the biggest difference? And you and I both know what it is, right? If mm-hmm. if we don't start with sleep, we we just can't get any farther. So the thing mm-hmm. I am absolutely just a zealot about is helping women find a way to get sufficient sleep. Mm-hmm. And I have heard every excuse that exists. I, I promise you there's not one I haven't heard. Um, and what I really – what it comes back to is everything is a choice, Right there, there are choices that we can make to further optimize the amount of sleep that we get, no matter what our baseline is. So, I think the hardest one is probably if you have um, an infant or a very young child that doesn't sleep through the night, and you get up to attend to them. Yes, that is it. It's a hard chapter, right? I've lived through it three times. I would say my second child, so that you understand, I get this. Did not sleep through the night for like eighteen months. Like Mm -hmm. he never had one night that he slept through the night for 18 months. So I've lived Mm -hmm. that chapter. Um, We have a puppy now who does not like to sleep through the night. (laughs) I've thrown myself back into that chapter. But there are choices you can make around, for example, trade-offs with your partner on who's Mm -hmm. getting up in the middle of the night or making a choice to have a really early bedtime so that when you are interrupted, it's less of a problem than if you had a late bedtime, right? Mm -hmm. There a number of things that you can do to optimize whatever the state is. So if we take the torture test away, it's the goal would be seven to eight hours minimum of good quality sleep. Mm -hmm. And we do, sometimes we do within Brilliant Balance something called the 30 days to vibrant energy challenge. And the idea is we tackle these practices one by one. Mm -hmm. And in sleep, there are so many things that you can do to enhance your sleep. Just, Just two that I'll tell you are, when I discovered an eye mask, like a black silk eye mask, changed my life. Mm-hmm. Right, just blocking out the light. We don't even have blackout shades, but that black silk eye mask, I mean, they're gonna take it out of my cold, dead hands. Like it is so important to my <laughs> ability to stay asleep. It's amazing. Second one is the temperature of the room. You know, I'm 46, so that my body temperature is not regulated all the time. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but getting in, like, I mean, I would wake up just sweaty. Well, you're not mm-hmm. gonna sleep through that. You know, when your body temperature is too warm throughout the night, you don't sleep well. So changing things like what are the bed coverings and what am I wearing to bed to reach a place where my body temperature was better regulated, game changer. You know, and there's there's 10 or 15 things like that that can be optimized that really make a difference for the hours that you are able to sleep. So 
That's the first one. And you just can't even pass go, right, until you're doing some things to optimize sleep. Um, and then you go from there to other practices that are physical, which, you know, we can get into, but people know the basics, right? right? It's moving your body and drinking enough water and eating well. I think an interesting one is managing your mental energy, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't um, – and what I mean by this is not necessarily your mood, but managing your cognitive load. Like how much are you thinking about at one time? And look, as moms, we're thinking about a lot. And so I think about that term. It's kind of nerdy, but I think about that term all the time of where can I lessen my cognitive load? Mm-hmm. So example you know, unmade decisions. If you have unmade decisions that are swirling around in your head, that is massively tiring. So I I will make a list of all the decisions I need to make and just start making them. And the you can feel the weight lifting, right? You can feel your energy coming back as those decisions get made. Or um, putting some things on autopilot, like having, you know, I have one of two breakfasts every day. I don't think about breakfast. It's it's just not something I need to spend time thinking about. And I'll get variety at dinner, right? So like those kinds of things that lower the burden of carrying all of this around in your head, writing things down instead of carrying it around in your head is a great one. So I'll yeah. I'll stop. Yeah, no, I I think all of that's great. I mean the the idea of the a place to have a mental dump I have, I'm holding it. No one can see it. I have a little tiny rifle paper company. I got it because it's cute. Okay. But also because it's thin and I can carry it around everywhere that I go. Other people have, um, you know, computer organizer, virtual technical ones that they use. I've always worked the best with pen and paper. And so I write it down and later on I put it into maybe like an organizer in my phone. But at the moment, sometimes I just need to like put it somewhere so that way it is out. So yes. You'll you'll appreciate this. So my husband teases me all the time because he calls them my whoopee. Like I walk around the house all the time with typically my laptop and two to three notebooks that have purposes. And they're like – they just go everywhere with me, right? Like it's just – I'm very – if we get in the car, I take this stuff with me because I need to be able to get it out of my head and captured or thought through. it's so it, it's funny that you would have that a similar practice because it it really is a lifeline to not have to carry it around up here and pointing to my head. I think that alone is it's just so draining. Yes, and to your point about the making decisions or getting things done so that that way you can just take it off of your list. I remember in high school in honors English. I remember we must have all looked really stressed or been talking about how we were stressed in the room. I have no idea. I think there was an AP test coming up or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're, so we're sitting there and I remember the guy turned off the lights and had us put our heads down on the desk and goes, okay, most of you are going to become lawyers or doctors or corporate executives or whatever. He goes, do you think you're going to be more stressed out then or right now sitting in this classroom, you know, he's like, so you're going to have to figure out how you're going to get some things done and where you're going to place things in your day. And I remember the advice that he gave was if you are spinning on something that you need to get done before you go to sleep, it's like, it's, you keep on thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. what you need to do is get up 
and complete the task so then you can go to sleep. And that has always stayed with me where I don't, I mean, I, I try really hard to have good sleep, sleep hygiene and not, you know, get up at midnight if I'm thinking about something to do it. But I think about that even before I leave the office, that I'll complete two or three little tasks like sending a quick email or completing a patient note or adding something to my calendar so that then when I go home, it's already off my plate and I can enter into the next phase of my life. Well, and I'm going to give you the hack that the study we're showing is just as effective, which is not just writing it down, but writing down when you're going to do it. So instead of actually doing it, like let's say it's 10 o'clock at night and you're like, I really want to go to bed, but I need to whatever, get this Valentine made. Just saying, I'm going to do that at 7 a.m. And writing it down bedside, the the act of naming it and scheduling it is as effective as actually doing it because your brain goes, oh, taken care of, and it's off in the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. We tell people at Modern Mommy that to do that all the time with laundry. This is I'm like, laundry needs to be Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. <laughs> Put it on your calendar. Let it like pile up the rest of the week. If you don't get to it between 7 and 9 p.m., does it really matter more than the more important things that you have going on in your life? So yeah, there's all types of ways that you can use um, use that hack. I love it. Um, Katie Matuski, who's from Entropy Organized, has come on the podcast and talks a ton about tasks versus projects. And basically this idea that you're bringing up, which is the tasks need a time and a place. They need a time and a place so they Mm -hmm. don't overrun you. Yeah. You bet. Okay. The second P is productive week and calendar control. I have heard you talk a ton, speaking of technological gizmos and gadgets, about ones that you use. I would love it if you would share some practical tips on ways that people can create more organization and productivity within their lives. Yes. So I think, so productivity is the second one. And the the unit of time I use here is the week. Because I don't think you can optimize a day. I think days have too much variability. Um, so again, energy, you want to optimize for the day. But but productivity is better, I think, when we think about the week. So I have a couple of tools. And honestly, if I'm really honest, I would say I'm kind of tool agnostic. I, I think there's a lot of good tools that people can use. So I don't like rep for a certain one or promote a certain one. But the ones that I use in my personal collection um, – First of all, notebooks, like we already talked about. They, they're very, very important in the overall system because it's instant. I don't have to access technology. I am not a digital native. So that just like makes sense to me to write it down. Second thing I use is Evernote, which is a little bit old school. There are other systems like OneNote is basically the same thing. But the concept of having a digital clipboard where I can type onto a note. I can put images onto the note. I can pull URL links onto a note. And it is searchable every way to Sunday. Like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter what you put in there, you can find it, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be great at organizing the notes. You just have to know that's where they're going to go, right? I take all of my um, Kindle highlights, like any book I read on a Kindle that I have highlights in, those get dropped into an Evernote. Like it's it's really my digital brain, like this repository of all the things I want to be able to find over and over again. I keep meal plans in there. I keep um, like grocery lists in there. If I'm I have to remember the kids' shoe sizes, they live on a night. Like shoe sizes change a lot, like mm-hmm. in an unfair kind of well, way. Very right? unfair. 
So I learned at some point I had to timestamp it and be like, okay, it is July 2020 and this is everybody's shoe size. And then the next time I go to check it, I know like, oh, you're, you're out of date on that. Um, so anyhow, Evernote is the second tool. And then the third thing I use is iCal. So I have Google Calendar for work. I synchronize that with iCal. Um, and iCal becomes my master calendar because I have lenses for each person in my family as well as my work calendar. So there's lots of different colors. If I turn it all on, it's unreadable. But it's very helpful for things like carpool planning, um, planning my own schedule, you know, synchronizing appointments with my husband, anybody at my work team. Like the, this, the ability for that to turn on and toggle on and off various calendars, I find very important. And my to-do list makes its way onto my calendar. So every single thing I'm going to do gets scheduled. It gets put on at a time stamp so I know exactly when I'm doing it as I'm planning my week. And that is massive enhancement to productivity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. To not have to be cross-referencing, to have every single thing be in one place in terms of what has to happen. Yeah. Okay. I think about calendars as like we're one human walking through a chronological day. So even though the tasks might be this is related to managing my home, this is a parenting task, this is a work task, like I'm still one human navigating the chronology of my day. And so my calendar has to reflect that or it's just too confusing. Which I actually think is a really interesting point because I think that comes back to this whole like we're one person, you know, as we try to navigate our work world and our personal lives and um, the needs of our kids and um, and our own attunement to ourselves, which yeah. brings me to your last P, which is <laughs> purposeful season, which I was the most intrigued by because I think this is the most heart part yeah. of what yes. you do. So t- tell us a little bit more. So this is what you earn your way to, the way I think about it, when you get the first two in check. And I think it's very um, trendy to be like searching for your purpose, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's very, you know, you go to any like cute boutique and there's little plaques and stuff about, you know, we're we're really like, we understand it. We have this self-actualization thing that we're chasing. But If you don't have your energy managed well and you haven't figured out how to run your current life, the idea of chasing something beyond that just collapses on itself. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of coaches and a lot of influencers start there. Oh, you can be anything you want to be. Have a big dream. Go after it. And I'll admit, I I was attracted to that idea like early on. And the more I worked in the real world with real people, I learned like you can't start there Mm -mm. because first of all, their brain is like just can't get there. It's stuck on um, the belief that I can't manage my current circumstances. How could I possibly add more to this? It just Mm -hmm. it feels like why would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. So when you start in the other two, then that's why I say you earn your way to this one. And the really cool thing is it happens very organically. Like as soon as I can get somebody to get their energy and rhythm and their calendar under control and have a sense of breathing room back where they have discretionary time that they're like it's available to them now as an asset to use in whatever way they choose, then you get to apply that discretionary time toward chasing a dream. 
mm-hmm. you know, taking your life to the next level. And it just, it happens very organically at that point. So it's kind of a beautiful inflection point I'm watching for as a coach is when can, when's somebody going to cross into that realm that they're ready to start talking about, you know what I think I want to do? You know, and whatever follows that is magic. It's, it's the best. Yeah. And with that, I mean, because of course you follow people on their own individual journeys as a coach, you get to help support them and challenge them and move them along. But one of the biggest things that you talk about is the idea as you are pursuing dreams or passions or purpose of going for courage versus confidence, which I really, really like because here's the deal. I'm scared out of my mind about 100% of the day as I try to do big things that are outside of my comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't always feel confident, you know? Me too, sure. Yeah, Yeah, but that idea of courage. So explain more kind of how you came to that and what being courageous really looks for, for, looks like for for moms or for women who want something more out of their life than than the day-to-day and the chores? Yes. Well, I think the flip for me was I, I was really sick of the narrative that women don't have as much confidence as men. Like I just, mm. there was so much written about it and it just felt like a cop-out on some level. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this is a hiding place for us to say, but we just don't have the same level of confidence. Or for any individual to say, I can't do it because I just don't have the confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I feel like I, you know, most days I'm like, well, am I really going to do this? You know, especially when it's something new. If it's something I've done a thousand times before, of course, right. we all feel confident. Yep, sure. Um, so I came to this realization that confidence is not the like the beginning it's the end right mm-hmm. it's the it's not the cause it's the effect so we don't take courageous act- actions because we're confident we're confident because we've taken courageous actions right so you and i could do this podcast and it's like breathing like it took we didn't have to warm up and we can have a great natural conversation and we're we've almost like lost track of the fact that it's being recorded and people are going to listen to it and it's going to live out on the internet forever and I, like I'm not thinking about that right, right. now. I am, now, but I wasn't. Yeah. Now it's right here <laughs> because we've done this a million times, and so we took that courageous action when you started your podcast or I started mine. And the first couple times, like if I go back and listen to my first couple episodes, I I don't even sound like myself because I haven't figured out how to do this in a way that was natural, right? But that courageous action of starting my own and then being a guest on other people's shows opened up, like created confidence where now it's just fine. Like it's just a meeting on my day. Let's go do this. And I think if, if someone listening is thinking, oh, I could never start a podcast or be on a podcast or I'd be, it's, it's really about, it's just not in your experience base. So that, that courageous action, whatever it is, whether it's you know, publishing a blog post or starting a company or applying for a vice president job or having a third child, like whatever the thing is, it's the courageous action that leads to a sense of confidence, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I see this all the time with families, with new parents when they come in to the office, right? Where you can tell they're 
totally fearful when they're holding this new little baby and they have no idea how to soothe it. And the dads, again, can't see me, but like they're holding the dads and the moms, but it's usually away, the from, the more, away from their body. Like it's like a little alien being. And, um, <laughs> and then when they come in with their second kid and with their third kid, then they are holding different that baby. Game. Yeah. Totally different game. And it's not like the parents got smarter. It's just that they had more experience doing it and it didn't feel like this totally new, new adventure that they were on. And so uh, I'm always actually encouraging parents when they come in, like, try it yourself first. Well, you don't have to read a billion internet articles to figure out how you're going to do X, Y, Z. Trust yourself. You can do it. You feel scared only because I've seen 8 billion babies and you've seen one baby. One. Right. You know? Right. And I think just to build on that idea, I think that whatever, you know, we see other people behaving courageously and we label it as confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, oh, look at how confident they are. We have no idea how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going on in their head. We just see their behavior. That's externally observable, right? So there's this mislabeling of when we see someone appearing to be confident, it's actually just that we're watching them do something that we know we deem courageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No. And I, I want to encourage people because I think I a hundred percent agree with you. There was a bunch of stuff about women not being as confident as men, but we can be confident if we take those steps in courage. And especially with doing things like what you are trying to move women through, what I'm trying to move women through, which is really finding a purpose that's actually, um, based off individual measures of success versus maybe what everyone else in the world would say are measures of success and finding sustainable ways to find quote unquote balance, but even more than that, to find brilliance in the most amazing moments and the most important moments of our lives and our families' lives and the people around us. So, amen. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Will you tell people where to find you so that they can dig in if they want individual coaching, if they want to join your programs, if they want to hear your podcast, all that good stuff? Yes, you bet. So, our digital home is brilliant balance.com. Got to get the dash in there. Um, and that will link out to everything else. Like it's pretty easy to find the other things from there. I will say since you're listening to a podcast, finding the podcast is pretty easy. So it's called Brilliant Balance. If you search for it, it's under careers in most of the services. But if you just put the name in, you'll find it. And we'd love it if you subscribed and listened to the show as well. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.